0: Welcome in to episode number 73 here of the Huskies Warming House podcast. That was a little more enthusiastic, but an intro than I probably should have been for uh, it being early on a Sunday morning, Nick. But uh, wel- welcoming in my co host, Nick Maxson. I myself am Noah Grant, and we are excited to bring you some content this week. We're going to talk a little bit about the Kevin Fiala arbitration situation, kind of our expectations for that contract. We've got some St. Cloud State Husky women's hockey news, and one of the players involved there is going to be headed to a pretty prestigious tournament coming up in the later half of August. We've also got a very interesting extra ice session. I'm just going to leave it at that. You won't want to miss that one. And a handful of information, as always, in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. And that's where we'll start with Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com.
1: So the center ice view Huskies illustrated weekly roundup, uh, you know, as we're getting closer, uh, to fall here, I know there's, there's no question that, you know, everybody's mind is on the Delta variant and potentially what, um, that may cause as far as maybe interference into some activities. Now, as you know, uh, it's about six weeks away now that most NHL camps, uh, will begin and even just uh, in the next couple of weeks for uh, the women's hockey fit. The women's worlds are coming up here on August 20th. Uh, but, you know, as far as the Delta variant is concerned, it's actually caught the attention of the National Hockey League so much uh, that they've done some, essentially some moratoriums. And uh, it, basically they are not being allowed right now to make you with fans uh, as the uh, Delta variant continues to spike across the United States. Uh, so right now the league is actually sent the memo to all 32 teams. And uh, the league has now prohibited all corporate charity and a community-based fan interaction, Um, and the disallowed activities include speaking engagements, autograph sessions, handshake lines, and fist bumps, and um, for those around Minnesota, I would say, you know, this definitely affects one particular event, uh, especially that's the Beauty League uh, that's uh, taking place over at Edina, and one of the cool things about that, uh, Noah, for those who haven't checked it out, is, you know, it's well known what the event is for, you know, to 15 bucks to get to three C three hockey games. Um, a lot of the pros are local or are made I Minnesota mean, of home for the summer all come out to see. But more importantly is the players themselves, uh, you know, very fan interactive. They 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 love to shake hands, especially with the kids and up the Bonnie door. And then they have outside the arena roped off where you can actually go in and get autographs. And so unfortunately, with this now. Uh, new standard for the National Hockey League. They will no longer be able to uh, uh, get close to the fans anymore, which is gonna, kind of uh, just not fun, right? Uh, and other health-related news, So, of course, still the saga with Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres does continue to uh, go on here now we're into August. Uh, of course, uh, medical professional Dr. Chad Prusmak, who has maintained uh, that the surgery would be the best option for Jack Eichel to uh, return to full health, uh, has not been uh, I guess traded because of this so as far as we can say also probably due to the high asking price also from uh, GM Kevin Adams but so far uh, for Jack again no really end of the health saga as we now approach here uh, mid-August which is pretty insane
0: yeah it's always tough to see a player's health kind of I don't want to say put on the line but uh, you know kind of on the line for lack of a better term and then as you mentioned uh the beauty league as well also um anybody who's covering it i know our friend kirsten kroll is down there as well any media now has to wear masks on top of that as well too so a lot of pieces in place but i can understand where the nhl uh, is positioning their players and their assets unfortunately and hopefully we can all get through it do our part and get some nhl hockey rolling really excited for this season to get started uh, speaking of the NHL season starting, um, and amidst our report of Evander Kane and his illegal uh, gambling, potentially and him throwing NHL games. Um, the NHL has released it there. They are going to conclude their findings by training camp, but some San Jose players hope that Evander Kane isn't there, which is kind of interesting after a 49 point pace in 56 games, the athletics Kevin Kerr said that several teammates do have an uneasy relationship with Kane uh, saying that he's often late to practices and games. He violated team rules um, and often without punishment. And for those of you who don't know in the NHL, a lot of times even things as simply being five minutes late to practice means that you might not play the next night. I mean, it, it's, it's that serious. So, The Hockey Diversity Alliance also placed the Sharks forward on leave last Tuesday. Uh, In happier news, Vesna-winning goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury, who we reported on last week, he's finally made up his mind. With one year left on his deal, the 36-year-old was unsure about moving to a new city after being traded from Vegas to Chicago. Um, And a week ago, he finally announced that he was set to suit up for the club after posting a 9 to 8 save percentage and six shutouts in 36 games last season. Kind of interesting to think about that. Uh, As you look back, didn't realize he had that good of a season but boy um i think it was his first vesna too which is kind of shocking but uh, um, best of luck to him in the windy city it's, it's interesting too you know as we, we talk about
1: the mark andre flurry situation uh especially how that the whole news percolated to him and how essentially the, the trade call hadn't even been completed with the the, the central's uh central office and uh, it was kind of leaked on social media. So I kind of, I, and I know that, uh, the ever famous agent, Alan Walsh, uh, you know, <laughs> t- took to uh, the social media by storm to, uh, to let folks know that, uh, that probably that shouldn't have happened, but, uh, it's interesting, you know, for you know, Chicago intrigues me and, we can probably talk a little bit this uh, about this maybe next week, but Chicago's kind of an interesting team with some of the moves that they made in the mm-hmm. offseason with some of the uh, players that went out also some players that came in. Uh, Chicago could be a, a team to kind of watch here a little bit. Uh, He's still not uh, sure of the health of Jonathan Taves just yet, uh, but some interesting signings and uh, certainly some other news surrounding Chicago has uh, more and more uh, things around to some other situations continue to come through, but uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. You know, speaking of, you know, things around the NHL, you know, the last couple of weeks here, you know, obviously big free uh, frenzy of signings as the NHL free agency door open, but let's relax, make a little bit more calm down. I think most teams have spent the money that they have allocated. A lot of the big uh, names are off the board as far as being signed or being traded, uh, but also, couple of new homes here around the nhl here as they still continue to have some free agents still out there uh edmonton signed however the big one uh, defenseman darielner's 26 year old to an eight year contract extension worth 9.25 million dollars annually uh the islanders read up also their shutdown defenseman anna pallet with to an eight-year extension also uh that deal worth about uh, five and three quarters million uh average annual value uh to Atar. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, a sniper, but a talent, but not really consistent. He found a new home with New Jersey Devils. I think that's a really solid pickup there uh, by that team out east, a uh, two-year, $9 million total package for him. And then also Edmonton, after acquiring uh, Warren Fogle, also did get him extended with a three-year pact as well. Uh, Seattle getting also some of their players from the expansion draft as well as some of those trades also signed to uh, extensions and deals to Vince Dunn two year deal worth $8 million and then also former Minnesota Wild forward Marcus Johansson uh, one year also one and a half million dollars with the Kraken uh, after spending 36 games here in a wild sweater although uh, a lot of this season though again marred by injuries uh, club had also adjusted 250000 from once he's newly acquired a goal centered Phil Grubauer six year deal because of the CBA requirements to make sure that it's not backloaded. Uh, so uh, at the end of the day, again some signings, but uh, again more so on the extension front. And no big really player movements. As of yet. Uh, and I'm wondering, Noah, too, uh, before we get into uh, some less of the news here, you know, as so we talk about the Islanders still haven't uh, signed Zach Parise. And I'm wondering now that Adam Pellett's number finally in I wonder if we're going to start to see some of those other guys be signed, including Zach Parise. His name's been linked uh, to them pretty
0: much all summer, uh, but still no contract for uh, the former Minnesota Wild forward. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Um, it's always interesting if you ask me, um, because I like to use that word quite a bit, but it truly is intriguing um to see where where he's going to end up and more specifically at what price point and in what role. I mean, I was going back and watching some video actually um of Zach Parisi um back in his New Jersey Devils days and just seeing, you know, how much more fleet of foot he was and you know, him as a younger man and stuff, and just interesting to see the the you know the transgression that happens with you know, the aging in the NHL and that process and the wear and tear in the body. Uh, to quickly wrap things up, speaking of our Minnesota Wild, um, not Zach Barisi, though, they have a contract update of their own as the, as the team has filed, like we mentioned, for arbitration with streaky scorer Kevin Fiala. A neutral arbitrator will decide the amount that Kevin will be paid, where Fiala can then choose that amount for one or two years in his deal. A one-year deal leaves him as a restricted free agent, a two-year deal as a UFA. His hearing is August 17th, but a deal can still be done before then. The 25-year-old had 40 points in 50 games last year. Pretty good season for him. Finally, ESPN has hired the fiery former bench boss, John Tortorella, as a studio analyst uh, known as a figure vocal for, uh, quote, saying it like it is. I think that's probably the easiest way to put that. Uh, The former 2008 TSN in-studio broadcaster, don't really remember that too much. Uh, He brings two Jack Adams awards as the NHL's best coach, a Stanley Cup championship in 2004 with Tampa Bay, and 673 wins across 22 seasons with Tampa, the Rangers, Vancouver, and Columbus. And
1: uh, real quick on that, too, Noah, uh, could you imagine an ESPN segment with John Tortorella and Stephen A. Smith? Could you just imagine what that might sound like? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> those, are, those are a couple of uh, opinionated gentlemen that uh, if you get them talking hockey, I, that would be, I think, must-see
0: TV. Yeah, but I think the difference is when you're talking John Tortorella, I actually respect John Tortorella's uh, opinion. <laughs> so but fair enough. <laughs> yeah anyway so yeah that will do it for our, our huskies illustrated weekly roundup also you know before i close out the roundup if you made it this far um how are how are people liking the weekly roundup if you're if you're a listener on the show especially if you're on twitter how do you like the weekly roundup um i actually when i listen back on it i kind of like it i think it's a nice little wrap up of what things are going on during the week but who knows maybe all of you hate it so we haven't heard anything either way and we'll be curious to know your thoughts as we move into the regular part of the show Once again, welcome into episode number 73 here on this Sunday morning, this Sunday morning here in the North Dakota area, Uh, August 8th is our time at about 930 in the morning. Um, Just so everybody knows exactly what's going on and where we're at, Mr. Max, um, I'm doing all right. How are you doing uh, in your neck of the woods? Uh, it's raining in our neck of the woods here in the Twin mm. Cities, so, so much needed rain,
1: uh, my goodness gracious, it's been a, a very dry summer, so getting a uh, last couple of days, I've had some some good rain showers, so it's a, it's a welcome sign, right? Uh, other than that, been all right. Um, still can't believe that in uh, <clears throat> basically two weeks from tomorrow, it's already fall semester. I still can't wrap my head around that. That's just insane to me, uh, but here we are, right? At, uh, time continues to move fast and... Uh, going into uh, you know a senior campaign here, one last go around the uh, the, the horn here. Uh, so uh, it's an interesting feeling to be in this spot uh, to finally be getting towards the, the back half of the journey here. Um, so we'll see, and uh, who knows? Maybe we'll be in the same contract to speed as Zach Parisi. I don't know, but <laughs> I will get bought out. I don't think so. You know, we'll see. hope uh, things have been all right. Um, I am curious though, uh, if you, Mister Mister Noah Grant. Um, because you, I know that, uh, least I took a summer class. I thought you had been taking some summer stuff as well. Uh, but when does your fall semester start up there in North Dakota and, uh, any sort of final uh, plans here as we approach last few weeks or summer vacation, as they say?
0: Yeah. Well, actually, this is actually the first summer in which I haven't had, um, summer classes. So it's the first summer in four summers or five. I can't remember. And usually when I took summer class, I took three, um, each summer. So, um, I mean, I don't know. It keeps you keeps on schedule, on pace, but I really I really have enjoyed, you know, working and doing the working schedule and stuff. I kind of like that. When you, you go to work, you go home with school. There's always extracurricular on top of that that seems to come with it. So um, yeah, we start uh, August 23rd at 4 p.m. So basically August 24th. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of wrapping up work, kind of transitioning into, you know, I will only be at my job for a partial day starting in the school year. So I'm trying to find another part-time job on campus to kind of, you know, make ends meet and that sort of thing. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I've been doing all right. I was also thinking about, um, you know how quickly this summer has gone. And I, and I have a, a, a question to posit for you. Um, so as a kid, as we all know, right time seems to go really fast, right? It, or really slow, uh, I guess I should say. And then as you get older, it seems to go faster and faster. Does time get faster as you get older, or is the time that you knew it as a kid the correct time, or how how you perceive time as an adult the correct time, or is time a constant and our perception is different? Uh, <laughs> Try that one out for some, well, Doctor
1: Phil. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, nine thirty in the morning. I think uh, it's it perception of time because uh, you know, as, if you think about, you know, I think as a kid and what you know was what you were doing. It, it wasn't really like you had responsibilities and whatnot. So I think, I think when you have less to do, you know, time, you yeah. know, kind of sits still a little bit. Whereas, you know, when you've got so many things going on and, you know, you know, eventually family stuff, you know, if you have kids or whatnot, you know, it's just, it feels like it, it just races by. Right. Yeah. So um, I think it's just all about, you know, just the perspective and, and just as you get older, the more things that you're doing, you know, between your work and everything else, you're just like, I don't have enough hours in the day to get all this stuff done. Right. So I think it's a little bit of that. Um, But I'm curious as to what your perspective is on the topic since you brought it up.
0: Yeah. You you know, one of the things that I always found intriguing about it is I find myself mentally sometimes catching, like thinking about, for example, like a school semester, right? School semester is 16 weeks and change. It's still in my head, I have this perception that 16 weeks is going to be a lot longer than it is. Because I remember, you know, being a kid, especially, you know, that's where you spend the bulk of your school. It seemed like every week took so long, you know, and getting to Christmas, it just seemed like it took a long time. And now it pretty much just happens almost like that. A semester just flies by. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting piece in a perspective of time, as I was thinking of, is just simply, that the summer has gone by so fastly and it's been whatever it's been 12 weeks or 13 weeks since I've been working at my job and it just seems like it goes you know way faster than what I anticipate and it, you know you look around it's like wow I can't believe 12 weeks is done already speaking of time Nick we did have a trivia question as usual uh, our trivia question involved our guests from last week and it, the question did read on February 11th of 2018 against Dallas now Washington Capitals forward Nick Dowd went plus three with no points Talk about supporting the puck. Pretty good night for him. However, which two NHL teams has he scored three points against since entering the NHL in 2016? Uh, any idea? They're both Eastern Conference teams, and that's about all I <laughs> all I was have. Was one in Columbus? Nope. Florida? Nope. <laughs> You're like, I got no idea here. Um, Carolina? Carolina is one of them, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me, you're, give me a second here. Like I like them. I like this. I like the guessing game. Yeah, you're like, let uh, me just name every team in the Eastern Conference. Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> so Carolina. Met, Met, Metropolitan, I'll give you that much. Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh's the other one. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, Nick Dowd's performance against Carolina, December 14th, 2018, had three apples in that game. It's three assists for you common folk there. And Pittsburgh on March 7th, 2020, two goals and then an assist for him. Those are the only two games in which he's had three points, although it's pretty difficult to get three points in the National Hockey League. Um, our winner was Fight the Pants, So I believe ties Caleb Peabody for second on that leaderboard list. So uh, congratulations to him. Uh, good work on that one as we move into kind of the back third of trivia, getting up to here for season number two. Nick, speaking of competitions and numbers, and figures. Kevin Fiala, arbitrated by the Minnesota Wild, his hearing is August 17th. Like we mentioned, a deal can get done before then. Um, But I don't know, as the summer drags on, it seems like Fiala's camp is in a different spot than the Minnesota Wild camp. What are your initial um, reactions to this move? Is it a good move by the Minnesota Wild? And if you're the neutral arbitrator, and you look at Kevin Fiala's production, where do you see his price point at um, if it, we do get to August 17th? So, you know, as as we've all been alluding
1: to, you know, very rare for a club to elect arbitration in this case. Now, the question is, why would they do that? There's no question, you know, the club is trying to save money. There's no question about it. Um, I think Kevin Fiala was asking north of $7 million a season. Um, and I think, as much as I think some teams would maybe pay him that in the open market. Um, As we all know, Minnesota is in kind of a, uh, well, they're going to be in an okay situation for cap this year, but after, after this year, it starts to get a little bit more tough. So um, if I'm Kevin Fiel, I'm I'm electing the two year deal uh, because you walk right into free agency at that point, you get control over that. And to me, if I'm the arbitrator, I'm awarding him between six and six, six and a half million per season. That's where I think his number and his market value end up being uh, by the arbitrator. And again, you know, it's going to be tough. Um, it, there's no question Kevin Fiala is, a, is another great complement of talent that's on this roster. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this, too. You know, I, we can talk about this later. Uh, it's just how crappy is the timing for everything? Yeah. with Minnesota. I mean, honestly, we'll leave it at that. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's right. Predict uh, Fiala to kind of come into. Um, and I do think it'll be an arbitrator that does really uh, does rule on the contract situation. I, I just have a hard time believing that the team and the Fiala would get to a resolution door, especially when the team's electing it. Uh, but I'm kind of curious just to hear your thoughts on, on Fiala uh, being, you know, essentially before Kaprizov came over, he was the, you know, the, the big skill guy that came into line lineup and now he got two for sure. Um, so as far as where do you see his uh, value and do you think he looks a one or two year uh, prognosis for his contract?
0: Well, when you talk about timing, how Minnesota sports is that that we finally get two guys that are, you know, potential game breakers and we can't, we don't have either one of them locked up. Now I will say the one piece of this though, um, and maybe we can touch on this in a second. First of all, I agree with you. I think he's going to get um, like 6.8. Um, close to seven, um, to be honest with you. I mean, I think it's going to be uh, kind of close to what he was maybe looking for. Um, and a two-year deal sounds about right. Um, It'd be kind of interesting to see. Um, but my, my bigger my bigger question, to be honest with you, uh, you know, if you're Kevin Fiala it, and Kirill Kaprizov, for that matter, a lot of talk has been made um, kind of in the hockey world the Minnesota wild world that these guys don't want to be here, you know, they're dragging this out because they want to screw the team over. I, I have a hard time seeing it That's this laughable. way. You, That's know, laughable. you know, I have a hard time seeing it that way. The, the other, the other thing that I have difficulty seeing too, is that I think back to the William Nylander situation where he didn't get a contract until December. Like we're not at that stage yet. And people really like William Nylander because he's actually, besides the first half of a year in his deal, he's really lived up to that contract and he's really earned it quite well. Um, uh, I just, I mean, how do you, how do you see that, that process playing out? Because we are in August. I know the off season has been a little bit shorter where whatever it is, you know, six weeks, seven weeks away from camp, starting up, obviously Minnesota wants to get these guys locked up. I, I just have a hard time believing that these two guys are doing this out of spite and this and that, and it doesn't make them assholes for exercising their rights to try to get the contract that they're looking for. Yes. I mean, at some point is somebody going to have to budge obviously, but I mean, if you think about it, I mean, most hockey players, if they're lucky, retire at 35, 36 years old, and they're trying to pay their way through the rest of their life, getting a contract that most of us could only dream of. So, I mean, I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on this one? Do you you blame them or is it just kind of what it is? So
1: let's address, The first thing, right, Uh, the fans who are saying that I hate to say it, but they're driven only by fear. They're they're driven because in their minds, you sign day one of free agency or the minute that the season flips over. If you don't sign, you don't want to be here. And that's an utter horrendously surface level argument. I hate to say that because it is. No, and you're absolutely right. You know, as a player, your job is to make the most money that you can while you can play, right? Um, Just ask Shea Weber right now. Let's just say that he was in the contract year, um, and all of a sudden now he's got, you know, this, uh, I guess, compounding type injury situation, and now he can't play, right? Or at least from what we know is that he's out at least this year, but possibly career, right? And that's the thing that people forget is, you know, yes, NHL contracts are fully guaranteed for those who don't know. Uh, you know, it's not like the NFL where you can go back and restructure those kind of things. Once you sign the data line, it's done. And unless uh, the team elects to buy out a player, it's essentially the only recourse to uh, to get a contract off of your books, right? Yeah. Or, or, um, if you're, or if he retires. Yeah. Right. So, but at the, you know, but going back to, you know, the point with, with these two, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, the, at the end of it, the team felt okay with Fiala. Okay. They're going to exercise their arbitration rights because I think in the GM, Bill Garen's mind is, you know, Hey, yeah, he's asking for north of seven and he knows, especially with the first domino, we talked about the Parisi, the suitor buyouts. He knows that he's got to project what his roster may look like essentially even starting next year, right? You probably probably project your spending for three, four years out, right? And there's no question when he presented this idea to buy out both these guys that that was some of the numbers that he projected, right? So with Kaprizov, though, it is about who's going to budge first, Right. And with the William Nylander situation, uh, yeah, that was a player that was going to, he knew what he was worth and he was willing to wait to get that. The, the issue with Minnesota is, and now league-wide is, you know, there is a flat cap. There is, with Minnesota specifically, there's going to be some some cap recapture things coming along. And there, I think if I'm Bill Guerin... At some point, the next, I would say two to three weeks, so I've said this before, at some point, someone's going to have to come to the table and say, let's get this thing done. Because the one thing you don't want to do is to have somebody sit in the shelf, um, be, you know, during training camp and then eventually into the season. Uh, then you're, then you can, we can start having the conversation of, okay, yeah, I get, he's trying to get paid, but what, where's the end goal here? And it's not. One player, it's not all the gym. It's a little bit of both, right? You know, it takes two people to to come to terms and, and to sign a deal, and so, an agent uh, on top of that too, right? And so, and as it, it's, it's been, you know, again, Kaprizov has the same ad, agent as Artemi Panarin, and and the the connection that fans are making is well you know, yeah, he got into a short term deal call, you know, was it Chicago slash Columbus? And then he went out and signed his big boy contract with the Rangers. So they're putting the car before the horse. And I understand, like, you don't want to lose this player. We've waited six years after we drafted him in the fifth round to get him over here and to see him go by. Right. Um, I, I don't get the sense. I, I, I get the sense Kaprizov wants to be here, but again, he knows what he's worth and he knows what he wants and he's willing to you know, to play the, you know, the, the tug of war game to see if he can get that full of what he wants. And he has every single right as a player to do so. And it's a complicated process in it at very, t- at times it's delicate, right? Because you don't want to, as either side, you don't want to, you know, cave too early you also don't want to push too hard either right like it's a it's a very intricate process to get a contract signed especially with a player of this caliber uh and for minnesota wild fans i get it you, you're you're being patient i get that you know this looks one way but i am I, with the as long as there's talking and as long as there's you know a conversation to be had it's going to be fine
0: yeah you know and I've said this a couple of times on social media and I don't think people get what I'm saying. Um, shocker, right. I don't get what I'm saying half the time. Um, but the club, (laughs) but when, when you look at, you know, the time period in between now until training camp, yes, at some point, like you mentioned, as you kind of push into like the end of August, you know, pushing into September, that's where things really do need to start to ramp up. But I mean, at this point, my overarching question is what's the rush. I mean, he's not – we're we're not going to lose him from playing in in the Minnesota Wild Summer Classic in the tail end of August. Like, we're not not playing games. You know, we want to get him into training camp and make sure we have him signed by then. Yes, talks are going to continue and discuss and uh, accelerate as need be. But at the same time, it's like we're in the offseason. Regardless if he gets $7 million a year tomorrow or if he gets it on September 6th, what's the difference? He's, he, he's getting his contract. As long as he gets his contract, it's just part of the process,
1: right? And I would challenge those who who, who have been so focused on this delay. What if GM Bill Guerin just caved to caprisoff's Dale? Let's just say it's nine and a half or ten million dollars for three years. Like let's just say that you know he kind of panics and decides I just want to get him signed no matter the cost. Um, yeah. That could be a bad thing too, right? Because again. You know, as a GM, you've got a whole contract list of players. You also, again, as we mentioned, you can't just look at this season's numbers. You've got to look at projections for next year, especially with the salary cap and everything else you're dealing with, dead cap and, and beyond. So, you know, you don't want to just do a knee-jerk reaction either. You know, you're, you're trying to get the best value for your player that you have. And the best part is, again, Noah, he's under team control. He is under team control. It's not like somebody can swoop in and and, yeah. and and sign him. And again, the the I think at least recently I haven't heard much about the the Russian argument. I know on this show we've been we've been laughing at you know as, as sort of that that possibility just you know from multiple different standpoints. But uh, again, I I see a resolution coming with Kiprisov. But again, folks, just keep just keep being patient. they will get done.
0: Yeah, and I would say at worst at. Utterly worse, Minnesota lets him play in the KHL until he's ready to find a good contract, and then hopefully he can terminate his contract in the KHL. That's like worst-case scenario, I would say. The thing thing that I I was going to get to is that when you're Bill Guerin, you're almost going into the deal with one hand handcuffed behind your back with the Suter and Parisi contracts and understanding what you're going to be in cap hell essentially for the next couple of years. The other piece of this is too – is when you talked about filling out a roster, similar to a, the Toronto Maple Leafs are actually a really great example of this. Finding a way to fill out a roster with players that fit the bill in that particular moment, but also are cost-effective. Here's the thing. You might not think that, oh, you know, if Bill Guerin case for $8 million instead of $7 million this season, you might not think that that's that big of a deal. But let's put a hypothetical out there. Let's say in 80, 82 games, Alice Goligosky puts up 48 points this year. And Minnesota wants to resign him at $2.2 million annually, but they don't have that extra $1 million to throw his way. They lose a good defenseman who has really helped alleviate the Ryan Suter situation that hopefully was going to come back to Minnesota. So you are thinking long-term about, I mean, yes, you want to player pay the player what he's worth. I mean, I understand you don't want to, but you likely will, but you also are trying to bridge the gap between playing a paying a player an amount that they're comfortable with, while also surrounding him with other players who let's be honest, there is a bit of an ego piece in there and a bit of a argument from agents and talking about contracts and looking at identical players around the league and saying, this is what I'm worth based on X, Y, and Z. So there's so many factors that go into it beyond you know, just a player saying, oh, I'd like X number of money. It's I'd like X number of money because I played this way. I provide this for the team. These are services that I essentially offer that you won't find almost anywhere else. And this is what I provide to the team. And the team on the other side is saying, okay, we love how you can do that. But we also have you slotted in with this player and this player and our cap hit is here. How do we make this, you know, in between where everybody is happy? And truthfully, it it's very rare that both parties walk away from the table 100% content with the deal that ends up getting done. And just to cap that off too, you know, when, when the agent is in the room with, uh, you know,
1: the general manager, you know, the, the, The conversation is less about what the player has accomplished. It's more about his projections, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that a lot of fans need to understand, too, is, you know, if you think about since you use the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, it kind of tells you how those negotiations, uh, say, with William Nylander, how Austin Matthews as well as Mitch Marner has gotten paid uh, is because they said, hey, yeah, we did great. But guess what? But we're only scratching the surface. Next year, he's going to get close to 100 points. So, and again, Connor McDavid, fresh off of his entry, able to get to a pretty substantial contract. Um, You know, you don't make that kind of jump unless you're talking futures. And again, that's a large part of contract negotiations is, yeah, what happened in the past in the past, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, you know, one, two, three years. This is what my player is going to do for you. um, And this is what's going to cost you. So,
0: yeah, it'll, it, it'll, it'll come to a head. I mean, we'll, we'll have a point at, you know, here, hopefully within the next month, month and a half, where we're going to have the answer with the Kevin Fiella situation. The latest we're going to have an answer is August 17th. So, um, you know, or shortly thereafter. So um, Kevin Fiala is going to be in a Minnesota wild sweater. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be in Minnesota after that time. And you know what, If it does run its course, it does run its course, and that is what it is. But right now, Minnesota's just intent on finding the best deal for him and the best fit for Kevin and moving forward uh, in that regard. Speaking of the best fit on a roster, Nick, before we move into our extra ice session, we did have some news out of the St. Louis State Women's Hockey Camp that was kind of fun to uh, dive into. Yanina Newland was placed on the Finnish roster for uh, the upcoming Women's World Championships on August 20th. Uh, Really excited for her. She played 34 games in her career with the Finnish junior team. She has 14 goals and 11 assists for 25 points uh, in that span. She did lead the Huskies last year uh, with seven goals and in 86 total games as a St. Cloud State hockey player. She's got 46 points, good for just over half a point per game in her career. So the 2021 Women's World Championships, August 20th through the 31st, Winsport Arena at Canada Olympics park in calgary uh nick you've got no see it you newland play or Niners as a lot of the players and coaches call her um w- what were your impressions of this announcement and uh what does Yanina newland bring to this finished roster as they head to the women's world's
1: Sure. Uh, obviously, uh anytime that you're called to represent your country in any national stage, that's that's one heck of a uh, uh, you know endorsement of what you can do um, on the ice is probably well off the ice too. Uh so congratulations to uh, Yanina Newland uh for this honor. Uh, but she's quite the playmaker. Uh, Yanina Luland is a person that on the Uh, Husky's ice can can kind of control the game with the puck on her stick. Um, She's got great vision on the ice. She's a great skater. Um, Again, passing is superb. Uh, I'd like to see her shoot a little bit more. That's just me. Uh, Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, as far as a setup person, playmaker, she creates space and uses um, her feet very, very well to create that open space as well as to also find her teammates. So, uh, team Finland's getting a great, uh, person on the ice. who can read plays. that has got good vision, good hockey IQ. and uh, she's going to be a very good support uh, person out there as team Finland looks to get, uh, you know, some international competition in the next couple of
0: weeks. Yeah. One of the things I've always liked about Newland's game is, uh, one of those players who thinks the game very cerebrally. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, a lot of hockey is anticipatory. The great players anticipate where the next play is going to be, where uh, other players, they're more reactionary. Um, And players have made their craft in both ways. But if you can anticipate and be one or two steps ahead, it usually pays off in the game of hockey. And I noticed with Hinina, her positioning and her anticipation of where she thinks the play is going to be. And even if the play doesn't exactly unfold the way that she anticipates she's put herself and her body in a in a good enough position where she's able to then react to that play even if it didn't go the way that she had expected. And because of that, she's able to be around the crease. She's able to score goals. She's able to pick up loose pucks and defensively. She's also really strong as well. Um, Really the complete package. I would say, obviously she's looking to kind of increase her ceiling and become better and better um, as she moves into her final years um, as a St. Cloud state Husky. But Overall, I mean, a very impressive player really came into her own. I thought the season before and really had a great year and now has continued that trend and looking to, I think, if anything, have a great tournament, soak in the experience and bring that experience back to a Huskies group and be um, an upperclassman and a leader um you know for this St. Louis State group knowing that you've got a couple of games against some of the best players in the world under your belt and translate translate that into some really good WCHA play and as you and I have both talked extensively Nick we're really excited about this women's hockey program and the direction that they're headed uh this year so um Nick did you have anything else to add um regarding anything um in the main portion of the show here
1: no, i think we've covered it all um i think the big conversation is a yet to be had as we say
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's that big but uh yeah we're going to head over into the extra eye session we're going to reveal exactly what the heck we're going to be talking about in just a few moments and welcome into the extra eye session noah grant joined alongside my co-host and nick max and nick Um, we've got a topic today in our extra ice session that I won't pin this on you. This was all my idea. So people can yell at me if this, this goes South. Um, I was thinking back as we went through, we went through this week. Um, and especially in the dog days of August, when we cover the show and we cover hockey, and we've been doing this for whatever it's been 17 or 18 months at this particular point, um, And especially as you get into, you know, you go from high school to the division three, to the division one level, to the AHL, to the NHL, it gets more serious and more political as you move up. And the stakes are a lot higher. And a lot of people like to engage and invest in that, whether it be social media, whether it be covering the teams themselves or, you know, being a part of the team. And I think that it's easy sometimes, especially when we talk about, for example, the Kevin Fiala and Kuroka Kaprizov situation to get bogged down in the nitty gritty and the politics of hockey, especially professional hockey. And sometimes I think it can be difficult to kind of go through the grind and kind of wade through some of the difficult or, you know, disgruntled conversations that a lot of people have. And it made me go back, especially this week, to think about why do we why do we do this show? Why do we cover hockey? What makes you enjoy the game of hockey? Like when you when you go through, you know, listening to all the things go on about the Kevin Fiala situation, when you come home at the end of the day, Why do you turn on the hockey game on TV? What do you miss about it? What, what kind of reinvigorates that love of the game that you had as a kid for hockey? Um, And I have a list of a couple of things, but um, going back to your childhood back, back when they used, you know, frozen horse biscuits as the puck um, and you had an upside down cane for a stick, what uh, you know, what really brings you back to that childhood love of hockey um, in the midst of sometimes the, the wild conversations that we have on social media or otherwise? You know, it's funny the catch twenty two that you're describing, right?
1: Because hockey is, especially when I think back to you know my younger days back in the Stone Age, um, <clears throat> you know the camaraderie that you create. It's it's it, it's weird to think that you know for a, a team game like this, uh, you know it's all about you know you're at the twenty guys that you're playing with, and it's a very tight knit community. And you know when you put it out, sometimes. And have these discussions in public how it seems to be nothing like that. It's, it's kind of weird when you, when you kind of phrase it that way, I've been kind of thinking about it a little bit myself, but for me, you know, my big memories are, you know, being just being on the ice and, and the thrill of the competition, respecting your opponent, you know, it, it's, it's being able to go out there and to understand that the person that's in front of you, um, you know, me as a former center taking faceoffs, it's like, eh, this guy's going to be probably pretty good. And, you know, I get a little up to, and I, it's going to be a battle and, I think especially when you watch the same like a playoffs and after a you know a six, seven game series and you know, the you know, these two teams are going at it, you know, they're physical, they're you know, but then you go through the the handshake line and you know, there is that mutual respect of this is a very tough game to play because it requires a lot of mental um toughness, it requires physical toughness, it requires um IQ, it requires, you know, a, a good cerebral mind to play it at that level, right? So Everything happens so quick, and it's that combination of skills, both mentally and physically, um, and the speed at which you have to do it all. Um, that I think, you know, it just when you take a step back and you go, "Holy heck!" You know, this is it, it's it's quite the combination. Because if you look at other sports out there, get okay, baseball. You know, a lot of it is in the head, right? A lot of it is, especially when your batter's box or pitching mound. Uh, for for basketball, you know, it, it's little spurts here and there in terms of you know the speed of it um but for the most part you know it's set up its structure um in the football same thing you know you you call your play and you just have to execute your play um and there's a lot of physical things that you know that happen there and you know maybe the quarterback you know a gay Tom Brady hashtag goat um you know will take something out of nothing so there's you know and and I'm not discounting pro athletes oh but For what hockey, what you have to do is when you're out there for 30 to 45 seconds, you're churning your legs 100% of the time, all the time. Your brain is constantly evaluating. It's solving a Rubik's cubes that's fighting back every single second that you're on the ice. And, you and you know, people often will look at the game and they're always focused on the guy that's got the puck on their stick. In reality... What's making this game work is, is the, all the other players that don't have a puck on their stick. And, you know, where do I need to be? What are we trying to accomplish and trying to counteract what the opposing team is trying to slow us down? Because every team plays it slightly different in, in terms of either defending or uh, going on the offensive attack. So uh, it, it's a thrill of the competition for me, too. It's, it's, and it's also being able to look at your opponent after all is said and done and, you know, say, Hey, let's, let's, you know, grab a beer and we'll talk about it. And then again, it's, it's that like, it's that community of playing a game that is incredibly difficult, but you can have such, you know, intense, uh, competition with the yet be able to sit down and to chat about it and kind of have a laugh about it. And to me, it just fought the guy, you know, 20 minutes beforehand. Uh, but you're going to sit down and have a beer and say, you know what? Yeah. trying to grab a spark and the other guy will look at Jingo yeah, I know, but I wasn't going to let you get away with that kind of thing, you know, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, for me, uh, just real quick to wrap this up and I want to, I want to get your thoughts, Noah, too, um, but the weekend tournaments, you know, you know, you know, getting off school early. And, you know, for me, uh, my favorite destination is Grand Rapids. Uh, Duluth uh, was a really big one. Minneapolis Lakers back in the They had a really good Thanksgiving tournament. Owatonna, uh, Blaine, uh, geez, I'm trying to, I know I'm going to miss a few. Chen Hassan had a good uh, tournament here and there. So at the end of it, you know, it's those little memories that you make, um, you know, especially uh, in the hotel room, the spaghetti dinners, when you're doing the film sessions, I mean, it's all those little things that, You know, I think as a kid, you don't really appreciate those memories until, you know, of course you're removed from the game as a player. Um, But at the end of it, the one common thread is there's a community that surrounds hockey that's very, very strong um, that respects and loves the way that how this game is. Um, I'm curious, Noah, since, uh, you know, again, we had our little competition on the ice not too long ago. And again, we won't, uh, you know, break through with that. But again, you know, it's, uh, I guess that's kind of what it has been for me. What what about you when all the world has gone upside down and maybe it already is? Okay. Anymore, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, but you know, uh, you know, we, we as humans, we, we you know, a lot of us, you know, we watch sports, you know, it's a it's kind of a break from reality, per se, uh, to kind of get your mind off what's happening around you. I don't know if you think of it that way, but you know, I guess what's been the attraction for you in the game of hockey, um, especially growing up in the, you know, the boondocks out there in <laughs> North Dakota where you know, you really didn't know if the, the kid next door, mind you next door in North Dakota means 10 miles
0: away. Um, just played this game that you are. I say 10 miles. That, that's not a good day, dude. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I mean, th- there's a couple of things that go back for me. Um, and I don't, I mean, people who know me, I, I wouldn't call myself introspective by any means, but I mean, I like to think about things. I guess that's probably the, the easiest way to put it, put that. Um, but I mean, the first thing you kind of mentioned, I mean, hockey, hockey is a community. Don't whatever you're about to say, don't say it. Cause I can already see, I can see the wheels turning in your head, but. Um, <laughs> um, I, was, I was just saying your introspective has been ill-advised most of your life. So very much. So, although I did, <laughs> I, I did text Brett Larson and he told AI. Hey, hope that I was having a good summer. So we're pretty much best friends now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I mean, hockey, the, the biggest That's thing, you, you know, you've got, uh, you've got a group that, and a community that really, it is a small net community. You probably know somebody who's played or played against or played with the guy that you're playing against. They played in a league that you know, or you had a buddy from, it's always tight knit that way. Um, I always like the idea that for three hours um, or so you, You had the chance to influence people's perception of you or your ability, um, regardless of if you had a great day, a bad day, whether you ate right, whether you didn't eat right, you know, in three hours in a hockey game, you could influence what was happening around you, you know, on the ice. Um, road trips, as you had kind of mentioned, uh, road trips are amazing. And so many, so many memories playing mini sticks in the hallway. Um, even like simple ones, just with my parents, like going, you know, and doing top dog camp and like Brainerd and stuff like that. And breezy point and being able to kind of go on a road trip, check out the cabin and that sort of thing. Um, the other piece of that too, that might kind of sound kind of silly, um, is like my dad grew up playing Minnesota high school hockey. And there's no secret that Minnesota high school hockey is better than North Dakota hockey, um, just in scope and sheer, whatever. Um, but like I always imagined myself as a kid from North Dakota and my dad, you know, would always went to the university of Minnesota, would always talk about Minnesota hockey. I always imagined what it would be like to go play hockey in Minnesota. I know that sounds super weird because you're probably just like hockey in Minnesota was just Me going to school and then going and playing hockey, but like for us, there was always kind of this aura around Minnesota high school hockey and thinking about what it would mean to play for like Edina or something like that, or you know, play with the Nick bukestads of the world and be on a team like that, or have a chance at a state tournament at the XL Energy Center. Um, and I know Minnesota kids think about that too, but it was always kind of the extra icing on the cake for us too, um, and kind of being like being naive to thinking that you were better than you were like every high school game, you know, we treated it like it was a Stanley Cup final game. You know, we were trying to, you know, eat right and get up right in the hotel room and this and that. Um, And like, as a kid, all the NHL games, right. They always had this aura around them and the college games. If you went to go watch, you know um, the university of North Dakota play, play somebody in Ralph Fingolstead arena, it was still a crazy atmosphere to be a part of. Um, And every time that I had like dreams as a kid, even though I didn't like the university of North Dakota, I always imagined playing for them just because of the facility and the experience that I had experienced while I was there. Um, And you always thought that you were better than you were. And then you get older and you see, and this is, you know, not a bad thing, but like, for example, we had Nick Dowd on last week and you realize Nick Dowd is just a stand-up guy that you might hang out with in the street versus as a kid, you'd look and be like, Oh my gosh, this is Nick Dowd. Or, Oh my gosh, this is Miko Koi, but this is, this is the guy. And you realize that, they're just dudes playing hockey, but as a kid, you have this different perception of what these superstars, um, you know, look like. So those were big for me. I love the smell of a hockey rink, especially an old Canadian bar. When you go in there, you can smell the smell of the Zamboni and all the fuel that they use. It probably gives like kills your brain cells, but I always love the smell of it. Um, good rink food on top of that, you know, popcorn, shrimp, anything good, especially, they do it right up in Canada when it comes to rink food, they do a great job. Uh, and the last thing that really, really kind of brings me back to the, the, the love of hockey. Um, my dad, I think, sees sees the game way better than I ever did. And he still does. I mean, he's one of those guys that he watches the game on TV and he'll say, he'll say, oh, you know, this, this and this. And then five seconds later, the announcer will say the exact same point. You know, he's just one of those guys that, you know, everything he says is just on point. Um, but I mean, he spent, we had a lake and a pond outside our house and he spent year after year making a rink on the lake. And then he moved over to the pond and he built up the snowbanks with the, you know, with the tractor, he would flood the ice. And then he would put, he actually built, he bought two essentially telephone poles and put lights on the top of the telephone poles and ran cords from those poles all the way up to the shop, up at the house so that we could come out and skate at night on the pond and stuff like that. And he did it for whatever it was. I mean, I played for 20 years, but he did it for probably 13, 14 years until I was old enough, you know, in high school, and I just think about that. It's like, you know, the dedication of this guy had. You got to remember when I was a kid, uh, he would carry me in all my gear, kicking and screaming out the door when I was three, four, five years old. I didn't want to go to hockey at all. And now I'm so so grateful that he was able to provide that opportunity be, and help me stick with it because it's been arguably, you know, the best things. I was I was always for some reason I was always Michael Pekka in game seven of the Stanley cup final, trying to score the game winner because I had a peck of blade. I had a, had a um, composite shaft and a wood blade, a wood peck of blade. And I always, um, always wanted to be him. So, I mean, those are kind of some of my memories and I always have to think back, back on that. Um, I think the, the final piece that I'd like to add on this and get your perspective, Nick, um, you know, I get it. Everyone wants the Huskies to do well. Everyone wants the Minnesota wild to do well. Everyone's a fan of something. Every, every team, you know, whatever it may be. Let's all just take, let's all just take a deep breath. You know what I mean? Sometimes take a deep breath, let the process play out and just enjoy the game a little bit and enjoy the company. I think of having, you know, people that enjoy the similar sport around us and stuff. I think it's easy for us, you know, like step number one, don't be an asshole. Don't treat people poorly. Even if you disagree with them, you know, it's it's okay. It's okay to, uh, um, you know, I mean, have a little bit of fun, but at the same time, also, It'd do it in a way that's somewhat civil and respectful, unless the other person's being a total jackwagon, which in that case, what do you do? Um, but I mean, Nick, what are your thoughts? I mean, what would you say to people, you know, who they love the game, they have a passion for the game like we do, but sometimes, you know, when you look at the Minnesota wild and Kirill Kaprizov takes two extra days to sign, than you thought he would, how to tell them to just kind of kind of keep the fires dampered a little bit um, and just come back to the roots of the game.
1: It's a double-edged sword, right? Because at one point you want the conversation around the game to continue, right? Um, if there's one thing that you know, we talk about growing the game, you know, the the fact that you have passionate fans, and you know, they're they're trying to express maybe some concerns, or you know, even more so, maybe some jubilation of either uh, something a player has done or a contract negotiation. You know, that's all. In, in principle, that's a good thing for the game, right? You want people to be engaged with each other. Um, you know, I think it is difficult in our perspective, Noah, that uh, as, at least, you know, to me, covering the especially the NHL the last, you know, f- almost now 14 years and, you know, getting to meet many, many people, players, coaches, GMs, uh, and having conversations. I think there's a little bit more of an in depth understanding with, you know, not only the mentality uh, of some of these players, people that are in the game. You know, we're, I'm definitely not saying that we can think for them or put words in people's mouth. But, you know, when you've been there, done that, or have had conversations with these guys, and a lot of these um, are off-the-record conversations too, right? So you kind of get to know them on a personal level. But more every conversation you learn something about, you know, the game and more so, especially at the pro level, you learn not just about the way the game is played, but you learn about some of like, you know, the managerial stuff too, right? Um, and you learn that, okay, you know, this, this contract is taking long but this is kind of how these things happen, right? It's, you know, it, it's, I get it on the surface, it looks like one thing, but, you know, there's a, there's a process and there's a, there, there's a, there's a strategy to everything. Right. And then granted, you know, for the Kaprizov thing. Yeah. We, well, I, I, I've said two, three weeks, you know, towards the end of August and, you know, this could absolutely drag into December. Um, you know, we have no idea how this is going to go. I, I know that both camps, um, I will tell you this for a fact, don't want that to happen. But at the end of it, you know, also, as we had talked about, like you know, I talked about before in the main part of the show, you know, when a player is, you know, thinks he's valued at this and thinks that, you know, that's maybe the floor and we don't know the exact, at least where the negotiations are right now with Kaprizov, what those numbers look like, maybe what the term looks like, but let's just say, you know, those talks are, you know, maybe below even his floor. Well, you're going to hold out as a player to, to, you know, Get to what
0: you think you're valuable, yeah. right? So it's it's. Um, I mean, I mean, quickly, it it's a job. I mean, like it is their yeah. job. Like like think about it. If you were working as a you know at a Fortune 500 company and you were potentially going to get a raise, and they were like, "Well, allocate how much you think your raise should be," would you not take that opportunity? It is it is a job. It is their livelihood for these people. Yes, they play the greatest sport in the world and the greatest stage, but that's how they that's how they make a living, right? And you know to to. To address the,
1: you know, I guess the conversation piece with each other, uh, yeah. you know, again, you know, I think the conversation around the game is always a good thing. Um, everybody has their own ideas of, of how things should go or maybe are going. And again, that's I think that's the intrigue, right? With pro sports is there's so much that we don't get to see. We don't get to hear about this. It's kind of a, a the mystery side of it. Right. Whereas, you know, you wish you could be a fly in the wall. know during some of these conversations uh that are happening either bill gear and girl kaprizov kevin fiala um because you know at the end of it i think a lot of the conversations about uh and let me say this i'll rephrase that some of the perceptions about the players and maybe what they're thinking or whether they want to be i think a lot of that would be answered pretty quickly Mm -hmm. um and at the end at the end of it i just don't buy to address that point specifically i don't buy how a team that. Has a lot of good young players. One of the best young players in the league, and Kirill Kaprizov, and is starting to build a pretty nice young core um, around it. I can't imagine a player not wanting to be on a hockey team like this that it's on the up and up, and it's uh, took uh, a very, very well um, put together roster in Vegas of seven games, and that's not an easy feat, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, to to kind of wrap it up, though, to your point, um, you know, there's there's one thing to to have um, your position. Um, and and this is not just hockey, right? This is just on anything in life, right? It's one thing to have a position on one thing and to hear others ideas and healthy debate is good, right? Mm -hmm. uh, That's a very, very good thing. But I think where it's the social, I don't know if it's just the social media phenomenon. I I like to think it probably is more than that, but we have to understand too that, Hey, you know what? They're going to have an opinion. That's cool. And you know, yeah, we may disagree, or we may think one way or the other. But you know, as long as as long as it's about the the debate is about you know the you know whatever the topic is, whatever, right? It, it's mm-hmm. too it, too much we see on social media that it's all about it, it's becoming more a tribalism on right, you're wrong, and. And then it becomes personal attacks. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, and that's and that's where, uh, again, that's with anything. You know, you can open up whatever you want and you're going to see this back and forth. We see it, unfortunately, in, the, in our political system. We see it in so many things. And uh, you just kind of wish that as a culture, right? I, and I think this is mm-hmm. kind of what I'm getting, that we'd be able to take a step back. Um, or let me say it this way. We fast forward the clock 100 years and look back and go, they were really, they argued like this. Like, I, I would think we would kind of, laugh at ourselves honestly if we have the opportunity to do so um so it's again like i mentioned before double-edged sword obviously you want people talking about the game but you know at the end of it you know emotions get high and you know then the conversation turns and that's what
0: you try to avoid right so um yeah. And, not, we're, uh, and we're not, we're not all perfect. I mean, we've all been there, but I think like, especially for us as a show, um, like, especially if you're on social media and we ever engage like your topic or that sort of thing. I mean, we're not one, we're not trying to draw your ire personally, you know, we're just discussing no. the topic. And two, like, for example, we're talking on social media, it must've been a couple of weeks ago, um, about a particular situation. And, you know, someone called a, called us, um, an idiot and it's like, you know, I'm not willing to die on the sword for Minnesota wild hockey. If you're just going to sit there and call me names. Like I really, like I do not care enough. <laughs> I really don't, you know, one well, at, well, at the end of it too, you know, uh,
1: first of all, kindergarten call, they want their, uh, they you know they, they want their joke back. Uh, number two,
0: <laughs> but, but I mean, seriously, right. It's like, you know, and, and we, and we've never been that way too. Or I shouldn't say it's been very few times where like we've, I mean unless the situation calls for it we really try to refrain for you know calling somebody out personally or that sort of thing like we'll talk hockey with y'all day and we might totally disagree and be on opposite sides of the thing but our discussion is primarily hockey based it's not meant to meant to you know personally attack you and so many times I think that people take it personally or they turn it. And this is coming from me who Nick Maxon can attest to takes everything personally and is like the softest human being on the planet. So like, if I can see that, like, I'm just saying.
1: Right. You know, but it, and again, you know, there's, you know, we talk about social media phenomena, right. There is definitely, you know, <clears throat> I think there is a different an ultra ego that people get when you're on social media and again, especially behind a keyboard. Right. And it's, yeah. and it's weird to think, you know, you know, if you were back in second grade and you know, recess and you get an argument, you know, it tends to dissolve pretty quick because, yeah, you don't want to get into a scuffle or whatnot. You know, there's that. OK, well, if we want to go that far, well, here we are.
0: Like, let's take care of yeah. this or whatnot. And then, and, and then it's usually fine after, too, instead of the bad boiling blood that carries over right it's you, you resolve differences and whether it's
1: you know you, you talk about it out or other things and granted you know i, I will say this just to make sure that you know or there's a violence is never the answer um you know that's that's never it um we have to hashtag you know it's 2021 we have to make sure people understand that we're not advocating for that um you know despite the fact that hockey can at at times be a very physical violent game um but you know that's all within the rules right so it's it's in in, in, you know kind of honestly hockey's kind of like that too right that's 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 Mm -hmm. the weird part is you know i talked about earlier you know you there's guys like Ryan, your Ryan Reeves or your your Michael Haley's that's out there to be a spark for your team. And, you know, they 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 go out there, they they embrace their role. They're they're and they're also into defending other teammates. And it's funny because, you know, if anybody has YouTubes, you know, hockey fights, and if especially if you got, you know, mics on, um, you know, they'll fight, they'll go down to the ice or the rest will come in and they immediately they're saying, Hey, good job, buddy! And you know, nice fight, a way to go. And it's it's a very it's almost the most Canadian thing to happen, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like in the <laughs> oh, world, it's sorry. A very. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to get you on on that, John. Or you just had you know your teeth put back in, but it, yeah. you know it, it's it's yeah, it, it's weird, right? Because you know they'll go back, you know they'll sit in the penalty box, and you know they're not screaming at each other. They're sitting there, and if anything, they're having conversations. Like you know, I, I think the the one that I love is like, all right, buddy. It was a like, good fight. It's like, hey, good luck. It, it's it's George it's, Leroy, yeah. George the Rock, yeah, exactly. So it's like you know, it, it, it's if you know, if social media was hockey, like a hockey game, I don't think we'd have half of the issues that you know we yeah. we think we experience or whatnot. Because it's like again, you you, you have to understand why everybody's out there. You understand their role, and again, everybody's gonna want to do different things or say different things, and that's that's great, right? That's that's the beauty of being able to be. Um, not to get political on your end, but be able just to have these open dialogues and, um, you know, to be, have these debates on, you know, the difference of a team. And again, the cloud of mystery that surrounds the back office, and it's not just hockey, it's, you know, all the pro sports, right? What these conversations look like, that would be a, a fantastic E60, but, um, you know, the trademark will come out later, um, you know, but at, at the end of it, you know, we have to ensure that, you know, we keep, you know, our eyes on, you know, what really matters. And that is, Let's talk the game. You know what's, and, and everybody can have their own opinion, and and that's fine. And yeah, we'll we'll, we'll engage, and you know we'll disagree to disagree. And yeah. it's you know like you mentioned, it's not a personal attack by any means. It's more like you know I I, I don't see it that way, or you know I I don't think that you know this will never happen. And you know there are times where I have stuck to my guns very anyway, because yeah no with if you know especially on the uh, the, the folks in the camps and i'll use this as an example that want the Minnesota wild to have a total rebuild every single off season i i have conversations with uh craig Leopold. that is not something he wants to do like right. he has firmly said that's not an avenue he is comfortable with he came here to win a cup and he came here to spend money he's not um eugene melnick up in ottawa who you know is blowing the team up one but more so he's trying to you know save some money honestly you know yeah. by doing it uh and speaking of that, center is yes you know that's going to
0: be a pretty good looking team coming through but you, yeah you at the know, end of it you know the piece that i think extends to beyond that is and it might sound odd but like think about it like bill garen crew capris have all these guys like they've got millions of people that watch them do their job every day Okay, um, and I think that 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 idea to not attack people personally or assume about people personally that extends to the players and the management too, in a sense, right? Like you can say, oh, I don't know how Kirill Kaprizov feels about this, or you know, or if it's reported, if Elliot Freeman says, hey, Kriol Kaprizov really hates Minnesota. The end. Well, then that's reported, you know, from a, a trusted journalist who's probably done his homework. But at the same time, it's also like, I think we need to take a step back too and refrain from assuming what Kuro Kaprizov wants or what Kevin Fiala wants or Bill Guerin must think this or that and kind of just let people do their jobs. You can you can think, oh, we'd love to see Kaprizov sign at this dollar or this sort of thing. But like people are not bad people for doing their jobs. Hockey is just a business. So I, I think that sometimes we need to take a step back and instead of going the knee jerk reaction oh well he hates minnesota he doesn't want to be here it's like you don't know that every time for example my dad and i restore old pickups together and one of the things that i always go back to is every time you go to somebody's house and you're looking at a prospective new pickup or a new part or a new deal or that sort of thing there really is the art of the deal and when i when i walk up you know you know, to people and we start talking price or talk about, you know, what we're looking at, that sort of thing, you'll get a couple of people that just will stand their ground and they're not going to budge or they don't know what they're talking about. But um, by and large, it's usually, you know, you see it this way. I see it this way, you know, you know, how, how have things been in your life? You know, that sort of thing you start to talk, you start to get to know the person that's the exact same way that these contracts go in with Bill Guerin and Kuroko Kaprizov. They don't walk into a room and Karel says you're going to $10 million or I'm, I'm lighting St. Paul on fire. Like that's, that's not how it's going to work. You know, they come in there, they're like, Hey man, how, how has your summer been? It's been good. You know, that sort of thing. And the contract talks probably maybe don't even start, you know, potentially maybe for 20 or 25 minutes. Cause they're talking about, you know, some of the things that they see and it's just a natural conversation that probably most aspects of it besides the contract could be had over a beer at any bar in downtown Minneapolis. You know what I mean? So um, I think we just need to take a step back in general too, and just realize like, we're just all people here. We're all just trying to make it through and trying to enjoy the game of hockey. So don't, don't make it any bigger than it is because it's really it's just a business and it's just part of the way that it goes, you know, don't, don't act like nine-year-old Noah and think that Mikko Koivu is a literal God when really he's just a Finnish guy who's good at hockey and enjoys life. Like,
1: (laughs) And, and, and to finish it off, you know, you know, uh, being in the locker room and, and have the opportunity to, to interview a lot of the players, you know, the the people that they are off the ice, um, you know, they're wonderful people. Um, you know, I can go back to guys, I get like Colivia Brent Burns, uh, you know, again, I talked about interview guard uh, back in the day, uh, John Scott. Uh let's see who am I missing. Uh, I always actually really liked Zach um, and Ryan when I got the opportunity to talk with them. Uh Kyle Brodziak was fantastic. Uh Tom Gilbert when his short stint. Uh Cal Clutterbuck was actually a really, really nice human being. Um, in fact, uh those three guys would often uh I'd actually see them almost once a week outside the ice, um, uh, you know, just in, in different walks of life. And, you know, again, just you quite literally saw them having a beer and was able to actually have a <laughs> have a beer with them one time um, at an undisclosed location. And you wouldn't, I mean, you wouldn't think that these are hockey players that, you know, make millions of dollars um, and are out there on the ice. I mean, they were gracious human beings and um, love to talk. And, you know, it's, yeah, we talked some hockey, but a lot of our discussions weren't hockey. It was life and it was different things. And, you know, it was their kids and everything else. I mean, you got to understand these, are, which means also, you know, to, to close this out, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, Bill Guerin may, he's going to make, make a mistake. And granted we may look at the crazy side of the, the suitor buyouts right now as, okay, well we're trying to close this one Avenue and he's done that. Right. But, you know, as we know that the recapture part, you know, it could be very difficult for things moving forward. We don't know what his plan is <clears throat> as far as, you know, we get to the next season, but that's next. So, uh,
0: yeah, you know, that's
1: people are people.
0: Yeah. It's one thing to stand your ground and say, I believe this player should get X, Y, and Z. It's another thing to stand your ground and then attack people when they come after you or, or have a thing, just, you're going to meet some people out there that just don't have any civility whatsoever. And you kind of just kind of got to let it fly over your head, unless you, unless it gets to a point where somehow you can't, Um, but yeah, you kind of, you earn, you earn your respect in a sense by being respectful to others. If that makes sense, you know, you can say, I, this contract was X amount at five years and you can say, Oh, I, I like the amount, but it should have been four years. But then just say that. Don't, don't say, Oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about or you're an idiot or how can you ever think that that's where it becomes watered down and we don't need to do that. We just need to tongue hockey and enjoy the game and have fun. And hopefully the Minnesota wild can win a few games this year, Nick. Um, but I think that's going to do it for episode number 73, unless you have, is that, are we good thumbs up doing the thing? All right. Well, oh, no. you're asking
1: me. Wow, no way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, and, and again, you know, these are exciting conversations to have. You know, you you have superstar players that are trying to get superstar paydays, and I would say to those, you know, it's it just my perspective, right? I, I always like to be introspect. You know, I like to be what's they call it. What's the word? It's Sunday. Objective the words are not coming to mind. Not objective. But, uh, let's say I'd like to. I guess in the moment, right. Where I think three, four years ago, we would kill for the opportunity to have superstar talent and having contract negotiations. (laughs) Like, you know, like, you know, back then, you know, there just wasn't that one that you looked at on the roster and said, you know, that was like, uh, okay, you know, this team is all right, but there's nobody that's, you know, you know, the, the superstar and here we are. And, you know, we possibly have two of them and, You know, it's it's great. It's great to be able to sit here and debate and, you know, how long their contract's going to be, their bridge deals and whatnot. That's a fantastic problem to have, in my opinion. Um, I'd rather have this conversation and this, you know, debacle, if you want to call it, of, you know, where the number's going to end up versus going, well, what team is signed? uh, They've already got 20 men on the
0: roster. And, yeah, there's, I mean, there's some people exciting, but... Yeah. See what happens. Right. So, and and, you know, when it, when it, when it goes back to the love of the game of hockey too, I can think of nothing better than being whatever I was back in 2010 or 2011, watching really bad Minnesota wild teams sitting inside on a blustery winter day with a cup of hot cocoa in my hand, watching them on TV, you know, like that's, that's still happiness to me always is always will be. Um, and that's what I think we need to just get back to is Yeah. You might not like so-and-so's new contract, but guess what? They're on the ice, so hopefully they score tonight. Hopefully they do well, you know? So what else can you do? But that will do it for episode number 73. Um, working on a guest here for the Healthy Scratch interview segment, hopefully for this week for episode number 73. But as always, catch us for episode number 74 on Sunday in the Den. one-timer coming, they score! Ripped
1: it. and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.